is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line as we launch into the first hour of the program. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. On the way here, one opinion article writer says libertarians are loony. We'll see what, uh, we'll dig into that here in a little bit. But first, we will start with uh, Julia's story for tonight, which is about sex and women and their sexual desires, what they say and what they actually do, apparently are two different things, right? I don't think that's any right. surprise to most men. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, it's not a new article, but it's new to me. And I found it interesting because I find these sorts of topics interesting. Anyway, uh, the article from Science Daily is entitled, Women's Sexual Behaviors May Be Closer to Men's Than Previously Thought. Hmm. In many surveys, men typically report engaging in sex at earlier age, more often, and with more sexual partners than do women. However, a new study shows that some reported gender differences might show up because women don't always answer the surveys honestly. Oh, my God. (laughs) Are you telling me that women might lie about how many sex partners they've had? Well, it's funny because I I don't do it anymore, but I have in the past for many years lied about how many sexual partners I had, lied about what age I had sex for the first time. Did you um, increase the number or decrease the I number? I decreased it, and I increased my age. I see. And the reason why I did that was because it comes off as slutty, right, if women have sex too early or with too many people, and I was concerned with what people might think of that. So there you go. I know personally I've done this. But you give that example, Julia, in reality where you're talking with someone who knows you, right? I mean, you, you were when you were telling someone, well, you've had uh, sex with X amount of partners, you're talking to them in person, whereas the when they do these surveys they're completely anonymous right so why what is it i mean are women because, trying to impress themselves and tell yeah, themselves well, a story because if you're answering an anonymous survey why would you be dishonest about it i've lied in anonymous surveys before because a good liar keeps their lies straight right and if you're going to, you're <laughs> modifying the uh the the present here right you know okay. so you've got to so keep your story straight always keep your story straight so right. it's not that you're going to back for uh, you or not that you're going to bat for the uh the female gender no like uh, trying to make them all look less sexual by answering I, I, that I, way. I, if if men are having sex um uh, more often uh, with more partners and younger who are they having sex with <laughs> exactly um, I presumably women, but presumably are other options. I I don't I can't Some really explain to you why I would lie, but I know for a fact that I had lied so much about the age when I first had sex that I sort of I had to remind myself. Oh wait, you started to believe I, the lie. Yeah, exactly. I originally I really had sex at this point in time. I lied about that a long time ago and hmm. sort of changed my changed the age at which I first had sex because it was a little too low in my opinion. At the time, now I I don't care at all, but so but you, I did. So if you're a lady listener out there tonight, you want to share your habits, uh, your truth telling or lying habits when it comes to your sexual history. Uh, would be interested in how you, uh, what you conceal and what you reveal. And of course, if you're worried about uh, people knowing who you are, just change your name and location when you call in. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Uh, back to the article. It says here, women are sensitive to social expectations for the sexual behavior and may be less than totally honest when asked about their behavior in some survey conditions. 
In the study, the researchers asked men and women about their sexual attitudes and behaviors under several different testing conditions, including one in which the participants believed they were connected to a lie detector machine. Hmm. Women's answers were closer to men's in some areas of the sexual behavior when they thought lies could be detected. Men's Hmm. answers didn't change as much as women's did under the different testing conditions. Hmm. Before the study, we thought men would generally over-report their sexual behavior and women would under-report it under certain testing conditions, Fisher said, who is running this experiment. Um, However, we found that women are more likely than men to have different answers depending on conditions when they were surveyed. Our results may may reflect currently shifting gender roles in which women don't feel as strong a need to meet certain expectations about their sexual behavior. I think that's good news. Uh, more honesty, uh, people being more upfront, people understanding that women are are people too, and hence they have uh, sexual desires just like men do. I think that's healthy. Hard to argue with uh, honesty. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny because whenever you talk about, people seem to understand that men, it's acceptable for men to have sex with pretty much as many partners as they like, and it, whereas it's not acceptable for women to have as many sexual partners. Uh, people understand that there is that double standard that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but it, they still naturally can't help feeling that way. Is is it natural or is it a remnant of the Victorian era? I mean, I'm not sure. This seems to be a very Victorian attitude, you know, like you're prim and proper. Uh, you would never consider having sex I think uh, outside of marriage, for instance. Uh, it's, I think it's to some extent an extension of sexual exclusivity. Um, what does that mean? Well, what's it sound like? Um, people, it... it it is certainly not rare for uh, society to view sexual exclusivity uh, to be a, a, a good thing. It, it comes from people As in, you want, haven't had much sex? Is that no, what you exclusivity. mean? No, I've only had sex with, with one, one person. person right. or uh, the, the idea is, is that um, you know, once you get into a relationship, people have a tendency, and I think that that tendency is natural, to not want that person to have sex with other people. Sure. An extension of that is... I don't want that person to have had sex with other people before the relationship. It's I'm not saying it's a healthy or good or anything like that. I'm just saying that that's an extension. Well, I think to some extent that's understandable because uh, certainly the more partners an individual has had, the more likely that person is to have encountered a sexually transmitted disease. So lower numbers are probably better. But to say that you don't want any, but you know, to have had them had sex with anyone means you've got someone who's completely inexperienced. So I think there's a midpoint there. I, I, I'm not saying that there's yeah. not. I'm just saying that that's I see what, where you're coming you know, from. what people are looking for. And, you know, another natural extension beyond that is to, therefore, um, you know, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. So you sort of want people to be um, sexually exclusive, people that you care about to uh, wait longer and, you know, better. Um, that way they're not making mistakes that you made. Parents definitely want that um, for their children, and lots of people feel paternal over lots uh, over other people by the way you brought up the golden rule there a moment ago Mm -hmm. due unto others and uh, julia told me about the platinum rule the other day which i like a lot better Uh what's that (laughs) oh well actually i had to take this three-day sort of work training seminar class thing and there we were taught that the golden rule isn't very good uh because the golden rule of course is treat others as you would like to be treated but everybody likes to be treated differently Yeah. what if i'm a sadist exactly um (laughs) So the platinum rule is treat others as they would like to be treated. That makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah, well, it also includes mind reading. 
Well, you can always ask. Oh, you can ask. Yeah, asking's good. Anyway, and go on with the story. As, you, as, you, um, as we could point out right here, some people don't tell the truth when you ask them. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Why are so you pointing at rule, me, Mark? Well, <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm not pointing at you. I'm pointing oh. at your computer. Well, now, wait a minute. If they are telling the truth, then they can't expect to get what they wanted if oh, they didn't yes, tell they you what they wanted. Well, then the hell with that. Well, there you go. To hell with your platinum rule, too. <laughs> This study involved 201 unmarried heterosexual college students between the ages of 18 and 25. All the participants completed questionnaires that asked about their sexual attitudes, sexual experience and behavior, and the age at which they first had sexual intercourse. The participants were split into three three groups based on the different conditions under which they completed the questionnaire. In one group, the researchers placed electrodes on the participants' hands, forearms, and neck, and the participants were told that they were being attached to a polygraph lie detector machine. However, the, poly, the polygraph was an old model that didn't actually work. <laughs> Although where po- do you find an old polygraph? I don't know. Where I've, do you- I've never seen one on eBay. Somebody's <laughs> have you been, been searching ever, for it? Have you ever, Someone's going to send me one. Have <laughs> you ever looked? Although the participants filled out written questionnaires, they were told the polygraph was sensitive enough to detect dishonesty even in written responses. <laughs> That's and they're gullible college kids, yeah. so, of course, I fall for it. Well, if somebody sits you in a room and hooks a bunch of things up to you in various places and tells you oh, to, sure. not to lie, I mean, I, I I probably wouldn't lie. Although, why would it matter if you did lie? I, I, don't, I don't even know. I think one effective thing would be to ask at the end of the uh, survey, did you lie in the survey? <laughs> yeah, why? Just to see if they're liars? Because some people will say yes um, when they lied, and some people will say no when they lied, but it'll at least give you an idea. There's more to this story, and we'll take your calls as well if you've got a comment on this or whatever you want to talk about. 800-259-9231. Attitudes towards sex, male and female, maybe they're a little bit more similar than some people might have believed in the past. This is Free Talk Live. 1-800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so enjoy those on us. Uh, And those, those, by the way, those features include the updates. Get signed up, and we will keep you in the loop. Whenever there's something you need to know about the show, you'll know first. If you're on the list, go to updates.freetalklive.com to get there. It's free, of course. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Movies, lingerie, and marital aids. AdamEve.com has a special offer for you. Go to AdamEve.com slash talk and get 50% off of one item. Plus, with your order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a free gift. That's 50% off if you start your shopping at AdamEve.com slash talk. Uh, so, appropriate. Uh, that's an appropriate live read, considering we're talking about sex. Uh, talking about attitudes towards sex, or honesty, I guess, is more the uh, the correct term that, that I might be looking for. Uh, honesty specifically amongst American women. Uh, and it's, it's about how women might say one thing about their sexual exploits, but then actually do something completely different. And, Julia, you're telling us about a study that they did that involves a set of college-age students... That were what they were studied to three different groups. You know, calling it exploits is one of the problems. Okay, I would have used the same term for males. I understand. No, no, no. I'm just saying that that's one of the problems. Is that it's it's exploits. You know, hey, I've achieved something. I see. You know, it's it's good or it's bad. It just there's there's you know connotations wrapped around it all. Gotcha. And that's the reason for the lying. So there were three. <laughs> there was just sex, man. I don't get it. 
uh, the, anyway, there were three groups of people. One of them, was, it was pretended as though they were being hooked up to a lie detector. And what you were telling us is, I think we just, I don't know if we got much farther than that, but you were telling us that the people that were hooked up to the lie detector were a lot more honest about their responses. Actually, I didn't say anything about the results at all. I was okay. just describing the groups. The first were attached to a lie detector. Oh, you said that in the beginning, but okay, go ahead. This is the beginning. Right, go ahead. I swear that that was said, too. <laughs> really? Pretty sure you said that. Oh, well, Maybe whatever. not about the lie detector test, but yeah. Might have been in the introductory period. Think so. Doesn't matter. Yeah. All right. The second group filled out the sex surveys alone in a room and were told that their answers would be completely anonymous. In the third group, participants were led to believe that the researcher might view their responses, and the researcher sat right outside the testing room with the door open. So they would know who the ladies are that said yay or nay. Right. Gotcha. In general, the researchers found that women who thought their answers might be seen by others tended to give answers that were more socially acceptable than did women who thought that they were connected to a lie detector. For example, women thought that their answers might be read reported an average of 2.6 sexual partners. But those who thought that they were monitored by a lie detector reported an average of 4.4 sexual wow. partners. And that's a big difference. That's a 100% increase. Pretty much. Uh, what are the ages of these respondents? 18 to 25. College kids. I, uh, I wish I got to say, that's not very, those aren't very high. So maybe they're all lying a little. They're still lying a little bit in the 4.4. But you know, <laughs> what were Some the of those gals were sticking to their story. But wait, what were the male <laughs> responses like? Uh, I'm going to get to that okay. in a second. Uh, women who were not attached to the lie detector but had the privacy during testing gave answers right in the middle, an average of 3.4 sexual mm, partners. Wow. Uh, men's answers didn't vary as widely. Men who thought they were attached to a polygraph reported an average of four sexual partners compared to 3.7 for those who thought their answers might be seen. So there's barely any so difference at all. some men thought that it was bad to have more sexual partners. Um, I Almost. guess. Uh, I don't... It's a conclusion that one might draw from those numbers. Right, which doesn't make any sense to me. I don't see why guys would care about how many people they've had sex with. Well, I can see them caring. I just can't see them uh, diminishing the number. Yeah, hiring it? Yeah, raising it. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know if some guy came and said, I have had sex with 50 people. you interested in having sex with me? I might be a little like, oh, you might have a disease. So I guess I can understand lowering it. But guys tend to, I thought guys raised their numbers. I guess I don't know. It would be a. Uh, it would be something that. It, it's a generalization that I wouldn't uh, argue with. Okay, women appear to feel pressure to adhere to the sex role expectations that indicate that women should be more relationship oriented and should avoid being seen as promiscuous. Said Fisher. Fisher said it is not entirely surprising that women change their answers more than men, and I would agree with that statement. It doesn't shock me at all. We live in a culture that doesn't expect that. Wait. Sorry. We live in a culture that really does expect a different pattern of sexual behavior from women than it does from men. She said, the study showed more differences between men and women in sexual attitudes than in sexual behavior. One reason that the study didn't show more differences in behavior seems to be because sex differences that researchers sought to explain aren't particularly strong anymore. One result may reflect currently shifting gender roles in which women don't feel as strong a need to meet certain expectations about their sexual behavior, Fisher said. So, with that in mind, do you feel like people are becoming more open to sex? Because I feel like it, it is, but it could just be that I'm getting older and people are more open to talking about sex when they're older as opposed to when they're teenagers. Yeah, I wouldn't. So I, it, I, I would say that, yeah, certainly uh, it's it, it, it's certainly more permissible to uh, for a woman to have had sex. Well, it's yeah, I would say as, as a trend over the years, if you just simply look at the culture. Uh, you can see, obviously, I mean, now, for instance, 
bikinis uh, show a lot of skin versus in the 1920s oh, yeah. where you you know they were pretty much full body outfits uh so certainly people have become a lot more sexually interested uh sexually honest though clearly there are still some serious lying issues that are going on here so i think we've got a ways to go yeah that's why we need a sexual revolution dear god how about a sexual <laughs> evolution instead of a revolution now sticking with that word are you i like that one better why anyway, is there more to this story not really okay I want to hear from you on this, 800 so I think that some the way that guys can sometimes uh, fudge their numbers um, and upward is, and, and the way that girls can fudge their numbers downward, is the definition of sex. Oh, Bill there Clinton's you go. Yeah. You know, what, you know what, what is sex? It's a BJ sex. Right. Is it? Um, or, you know, there's, there's other stuff that kids do. Um, you know, and where does the definition start? It depends on what your definition is as to when, um, you know, when some people's answer is going to be, when this, my answer is going to be. This was specifically about intercourse. This was about intercourse. Specified that at the very beginning. I so if, I bet I bet if it were just if you added to that definition anal, oral, and you know all the other whatever I guess those do people really have ones. anal sex before they have sexual intercourse? These kids today, <laughs> these kids today, the ones that are the wait I've a heard that about Catholic girls. <laughs> wait a minute, the, seriously, the uh, and I'm sure that there are some young people listening that could back us up on this, but there are you know there's this abstinence movement right where. Kids are told, okay, you can't have sex until you're married. Don't have sex. Here, sign this agreement telling us you're not going to have sex. And it's very uh, religious-based, most of it is. So sometimes at their churches, they will take a pledge that will say that they won't have sex. Well, their definition of sex is vaginal intercourse. They change it, right? Well, it's vaginal intercourse, which Mm -hmm. means that anything outside of that is fair game for them. So, (laughs) yes, yes, people are doing that. They are having everything outside of vaginal intercourse, and that way they can tell themselves that I'm still a virgin for marriage. I mean, it's incredible. You're lying to yourself, and that's what they're doing. It's just their excuse that they need to to engage in that behavior. But, yeah, that's happening. Wow. 1-800-259-9231. If you want to share your story of how, uh, if, if that's what you maybe encountered in your life, or you know people that are, that are doing that, that are telling themselves those lies. Look, if you're, if you're getting off... You're you're pretty much having sex at that point, huh? Self pleasuring. I'm not the one to define sex. I I don't know. Yeah. Well, if you're getting off with another person, I guess that would be considered sex. Somebody else in the same room. Sex with yourself is something else. 800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. All the features include the live streams, broadband version, dial-up version, both free for you, freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new? In the area of collections, SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. 
They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com. That, again, is SACL CAI. We go to your phone calls about what you want. Let's talk to Nolan in Texas. Nolan, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Julia, and Mark. I just wanted to talk to you all a little bit about trying to wake people up and things going on, like you mentioned that Brittany didn't have a driver's license. People's got huh? it stuck in their heads that that's just a law. I don't know what you're even talking about. Brittany didn't? You guys were talking earlier about how, you know, this all started for Brittany whenever they found don't out. Don't think you're listening driving. to our show, dude, but you're welcome to comment on yeah, whatever it is you have to say. To your show on the internet. Yeah, we weren't talking about Brittany anything tonight, my friend. Then it must be a replay. Okay. Well, whatever it is, uh, we, we were not talking anyway, about Brittany at any point about sure, in the last sure, several sure. weeks. So go ahead okay. with whatever it is you had to say. Well, I put some stuff up on three forums on the Federal Reserve, what it does, how fractional reserve banking works. I got ignored on one mm-hmm. and shot down on two. People don't want to know what's going on. It, the only people who want to know already know. Ignorance is bliss. It does seem to be the case, especially when you're talking about things like the Federal Reserve. It's really dry stuff to most people. Um, you know, I, 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 it's my big issue, too. To me, I think it's uh, one of the most important issues, certainly the top two issues that are facing this nation between withholding tax and uh, the, the Federal Reserve and, uh, you know, the fact that well, our I money know is it's dry, backed by nothing. What it is is a, it's just a huge lie. And we all went to school for our 12 years, and they talked about the Federal Reserve and pretended that it was part of the government. Right. And then once you realize that you've been lied to on something that is so important to a society as their money, mm-hmm. then don't you have to stop and go, well, gee, you know, if they'd lie to me there, might they lie to me elsewhere? Well, you know what? That might be your opening, Nolan, if you, if you want to look at it from that perspective. But maybe find the issue that the person actually cares about and use that as your entry. So, for instance, if you're dealing with somebody that... Uh, has discovered the government has lied to them about drugs, then maybe you could parlay that and show them that, okay, well, they had lied to you about drugs. Now let me show you how they've lied to you about your money that's in your wallet. So maybe maybe the uh, the monetary issue isn't the best opener uh, for a discussion about liberty, depending as, on who you're talking you to. you guys talk to anybody and just watch, watch the little cogs fall into place and see the light come on and see them realize that they've been a propagandized sucker all I'm their sure. lives? Sure. I haven't, and I've talked to hundreds of people. I'm just not a good salesman, I guess. Well, well, I think, sales I think everyone. Um, I, I think everyone's a salesperson, and they're uh, they're selling all the time. You can probably work on some some of your techniques, but you know. Yeah, well, sales takes practice, you know. I mean, you've got to learn about uh, technique. You've got to learn about how to to, uh, to approach prospects and and uh, pr- and pr- present your message in a way that sells the benefits of liberty to them. Uh, so again, if if monetary policy isn't the most exciting thing to them, find out what it is they want in their life, and then show them how they can get more of it. Uh, whether it's just more money, period, more freedom, uh, the you know the freedom to live their life how they want without governmental interference. Uh, open, expand your horizons and then show them how liberty will benefit them on the issues that they care about. And then maybe if they if they get it there, you can help them apply that to the other issues. That's the best I can say. And what I would recommend, though, Nolan, is if you want to learn how to better sell liberty, uh, the idea, what I would re- recommend is that you go to the Advocates for Self-Government. Their website is theadvocates.org. Uh, it's an organization set up by some great libertarians uh, that is dedicated to helping people who love liberty 
help others find the same message and understand it. And they do a fantastic job. Recommended, theadvocates.org. Thanks for the call tonight, dude, and good luck. Thank you. 800-259-9231. It can be frustrating uh, reaching out to people and talking about liberty. But if you do perfect, you know, if you do work on your craft, and that is the sales process and selling liberty, eventually you will get more people interested, more, you know, higher numbers of prospects will be interested and it's sad that we have to sell liberty, but that's how it is. We've, people have been sold on tyranny. People have been sold on socialism and fascism. They don't know it as under those names. They know it as the government that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have to unsell them. We have to sell them a new package, the freedom package. Right. You know, uh, the, the people voluntarily interacting on, uh, you know, to do business rather than being forced to do business. Right. So the more people you approach the more people you're going to find that are going to be interested. And what you might want to, uh, what, what you might want to consider doing is, again, over at theadvocates.org, uh, they have a great little kit called the Operation Politically Homeless booth. And this is a wonderful outreach opportunity uh, because what it, what it does is it allows you to go to different events like a county fair or a gun show or gay and lesbian pride fest or anywhere you have people milling about looking for something to spend a little bit of time on. Uh, so you go and you set up this booth and you hand out quizzes, the world's smallest political quiz. It's a 10-question quiz. When the person answers it, you give them a score, and then based on the score they get on the quiz, you can show them on a nice big chart where they're at politically. And it'll tell them whether they're liberal, conservative, centrist, authoritarian, or libertarian. And that is a wonderful way to really filter out the bad prospects right off the bat. It's a wonderful filtering thing because in the world of sales, Mark, you don't want to waste your time on bad prospects. No, um, you know, it's just, you've, you've got to talk to the people that are that are sort of in the uh, arena of buying. They may they may not be they may may not say yes right away when you talk to them, but they have to be sort of in the arena and people that are uh, you know not ready to buy, don't have the money, uh, recalcitrant, whatever is their reason. You shouldn't be spending your time on them. There's people out there that are ready to buy, and you should be servicing them. Um, now, you've done lots of Operation Politically Homeless booths. How many do you think you've done? I don't know. At least a dozen. Yeah, that's what I would have guessed, too. Now, um, you generally go to county fairs and places where people are, mm-hmm. a lot of them. How many quizzes do you give out in a given day? Depends on the event. I can, I can definitely do 10 an hour sometimes. So if it's a long event, you can pull 80 to 100 quizzes in a day. That's just one person. How many of those people do you think you uh, get a chance to talk to about uh, liberty? The idea isn't to really talk to them about liberty um, so much as to give them the uh, open the door, if you will. That's kind of what I mean. The purpose of the – well, what you do is you give them the quiz, and then you give them their score, and then you give them the option to learn more. And then they'll decide whether or not they want to get, you know, take a brochure home with them or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't have time when I'm running the Operation Politically Homeless booth to give them a, a lecture right. or an essay or something like that. I've got somebody else coming up that I need to get that quiz into their hands, but so I move them through. Y- you do have some kind of follow-up thing. You can do if, – if you're interested in learning more about this, you can do this. You give them something, right? Well, I give them the opportunity to buy something. I don't give give anything no, away. Well, I mean, I either um, you can they can buy a pamphlet, or yeah. you know, you give them the opportunity to come to. I, I shudder to think the libertarian meeting. Um, yeah, and, uh, we don't do that so much. I don't. I don't do that. But right. some libertarian parties do that. But there's different meetings that go on, and uh, you can invite them into a meeting. I have to say that's uh, it. Uh, that resulted in next to no success when we tried that back when I was involved with the libertarian party. Mm-hmm. Giving people, uh, asking people if they're interested in that, 
even if they said yes, they would never come. So mm. I think that most people don't even really know what a libertarian is. So and a lot of people score libertarian. Oh yeah. Um. So you know maybe they see the word libertarian, they don't think anything of it, but maybe they see it again sometime while they're browsing the internet or or whatever, and well, they say, huh, well maybe I should look into that a little more because I'm a libertarian. What is a libertarian? I can I can tell you this. Uh, my wife had taken the world's smallest political quiz before I met her, and she scored libertarian. And um, when I the first I sort of asked her, I guess about her politics, uh, you know, when we first started dating, and she said, "I'm a liberal." Um, so she had already been, you know, classified as a libertarian at some point, but decided that she was a liberal simply, I guess, because she d- didn't agree with conservatives. Um, and you so know. then she took the quiz, and we'll find out what happened here in a moment. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one, and you can go right now if you're in front of a computer and take the quiz for yourself. If you haven't ever done it, go to quiz.freetalklive.com. That'll get you right to it over on the Advocates website. That's quiz.freetalklive.com. Easy shortcut. More on the way. You can take control. Outreaching to libertarians, helping people discover liberty. This is Free Talk Live. <laughs> This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. It's your. Uh, you can take control of the airways via the toll-free number 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. Join us online, freetalklive.com. Get interactive there and enjoy all the features for free. When you're done enjoying that, then buy something at the Free Talk Live store at store.freetalklive.com. We've got Free Talk Live t-shirts, hats, hoodies, a variety of other options as well. Uh, the Free Talk Live lighter bottle opener combo, uh, other neat stuff, all original products only available through the Free Talk Live store. Go to store.freetalklive.com to place your order and learn how you can get a free bumper sticker as well. You don't have to, you don't have to even buy anything to get the bumper sticker. Uh, again, that's store.freetalklive.com. Com. All right, Mark, you were telling us a little story. We were talking about the Operation Politically Homeless booth, which is a great event in a box, basically, that the Advocates for Self-Government will send you for, I think, as little as 50 bucks. Uh, if you go to theadvocates.org, it might be 100 Either way, it's a, well, a worthwhile investment for someone who's serious about reaching out to the general public and uh, helping them understand what liberty is all about. And it includes the world's smallest political quiz, quick 10-question quiz you can give anybody. Um, there, It's available in several different forms. You can get a big poster-sized version of it, and that's what comes with the uh, the Operation Politically Homeless booth. But you can also get business card-sized versions of it and everything pretty much in between. So you can carry these around with you in your wallet. In fact, what I like, one of the things I really like is they have these tip cards where you can get it, um, it, it's, it says this is not a tip on it, mm-hmm. and it folds around your tip that you would leave on the table for a waitress. Uh, and then when they open it up, it says this isn't a tip, it's a gift. And then it tells you about how you know gifts aren't taxable by IRS code and blah, blah, blah. So that you know makes them feel kind of good, and then there's the quiz below that. And you gave your wife the quiz, Mark. You were telling us what happened with that. I didn't give my wife the quiz. Um, what I was um, saying, in fact, that she had taken the quiz prior to Without meeting your... me. Oh, really? Right, and she came up libertarian. Then, oh. upon meeting me, at some point, uh, you know, upon meeting me, she claimed to be a liberal. Okay. And what I'm saying here is, is that um, people need follow up after this quiz. If they're a libertarian, they need they need something, um, whether it's a meeting or whether it's a you know a brochure or, or whatever. They need something to sort of cement in them what that is and what it means, and um, that there are people out there that believe like them. And that makes sense because we hear the terms liberal and conservative all the time, and, but that's all we hear. They're really to most people, or at least most people that are, talk about politics and think about politics. 
they see it as you're either left or you're right, and that's mm-hmm. it. There really is no in-between for that. Right. Uh, so these uh, this can be very, very effective to bring people in. And as far as following up, Mark, uh, there are versions of the quiz that have – you can print it, print it out or you can buy it with um, – with a flip side with information mm-hmm. blanks where you can say, oh, look, here, just fill out whatever you feel comfortable with. And that way, if the person wants to give you their email, they give you that. If they want to give you their phone number, they'll give you that, mm-hmm. so whatever they feel comfortable with. So there is a, uh, a built-in way to gather that information that you can use for follow-up if you'd like to. Uh, but either way, highly recommended. Uh, if you want to look into that, do it. Theadvocates.org, great organization. Otherwise, like I said, they've got books, they've got video, audio uh, that can really help you perfect, craft, and hone your skills at uh, ex- explaining and communicating liberty to others. 1-800-259-9231. Still to come, uh, one editorial from the Boise Weekly accuses libertarians of being loony. We'll find out what he has to say here in a bit. But first, interesting scientific development out of South Korea. According to the BBC, a South Korean company says it's taken its first order for the cloning of a pet dog. Hmm. A woman from the United States wants her dead pit bull terrier, called Booger, recreated. RNL Bio is charging the woman from California $150,000. Now, that's uh, to clone the pit bull using tissue extracted from its ear before it died. The work will be carried out by a team from, is it, how was it, S-E-O-U-L, Seoul? Seoul National University, where the first dog was cloned in 2005. RNL Bio says it's the first time a dog will have been cloned commercially. Uh, their chief executive told the BBC there are many people who want to clone their pet dogs in Western countries, even at this high price. The firm is expecting hundreds more orders for pets over the next few years and also plans to clone dogs trained to sniff out bombs or drugs. Uh, again, according to the company, one out of every four surrogate mother dogs produces puppies. The cost of cloning a dog might even come down to less than $50,000 as cloning is becoming an industry, he said. And if, if what they're saying is the case here and that there's so many Americans and people around the world looking to clone their favorite animal, you know, if you loved Fluffy, now you can have it all over again uh, for the right price. If there are enough people willing to pay $150,000, then that's going to... Really help these guys do a little bit more R&D to help reduce prices. And eventually, if other people jump into this game, I mean, it could go cheaper than 50 grand. It could be, before you know it, it could be two grand to clone your favorite pet. I'm really curious. I've uh, Certainly, everybody's had pets, and probably you have your favorite. But I, I remember this Doberman Misty that my mother had, which just had the, the sweetest disposition, believe mm-hmm. it or not. Um, she, she really just was a sweet, sweet dog. And I wonder if... You know, she was an attractive Doberman. My mom shows dogs, and Misty was of that quality, although she could never finish just because she didn't have the personality for it. Hmm. Um, But she was good-looking, but that wouldn't matter to me about the dog. What would matter to me is, you know, the disposition. I wonder if the disposition would be similar. That's a good question because, again, there you go to the, the issue there is nurture versus nature, right? I mean, if you have a nice doggy but you beat it, is it going to be nice after you after you beat it? Uh, I so. have witnessed that too. Well, I had a really you? really nice dog, and my dad used to beat the crap out of it. And oh. that thing, it was sad actually. Your dad's a scumbag. <laughs> it was really nice to us, but it became like first she was really friendly with people who would come in the house when she was a puppy. But after my dad had beaten it for so long, she hated other people. People would come into her house, and she would attack. <laughs> you met her. Ian, she's mm, crazy. Yeah. I didn't want to get near her. Yeah, she would attack you because right. so yeah. Gosh. So 
<sighs> sad. So it's a good it question. So I mean, sad. Are dogs born bad or good? Oh, I, th- I think that's absolutely uh, true. If you've had enough uh, dogs or children, you'll find out, um, you know, been around enough dogs or children, you'll find out that, that that it's absolutely true. My mother had lots of dogs. They didn't all have the sweet disposition that Misty did. Okay. And she treated them all relatively the same? Relatively similar. I mean, some dogs certainly uh, different than others. but uh, Well, then it would make sense then. I mean, if, if they were born with a sweet disposition and were treated right, presuming that you cloned that dog... It would make sense that it'd be exactly the same dog. DNA structure is the precise same animal. It makes sense. I just, it would be, at $150,000, it would concern me that that would be a primary concern. It would would look like Misty, but then she'd start right. growling at you. I can find a Doberman. I d- you know, yeah. Dobermans look like Dobermans do. That's that's not a difficult thing to find. What I would want is that a dog that was just as, you know, nice and uh, as Misty. Maybe well, not with the fear of thunderstorms. We're going to find out soon enough, right? I mean, as th- they said this is the very first commercial cloning of a pet. And so this lady that wants her dog Booger to come back, <laughs> uh, she's going to know. Good old Booger. I mean, she's going to know if it's Booger or not, right? Right. So if it's not Booger or she feels like it's somehow a fundamentally different animal, likely she's going to complain. And if I don't know whether her complaint will uh, get very It's far not going to get her, her money back, obviously. But, but my point here is that that's going to be a big sales pitch. I mean, if it's true that you get the exact same dog or cat, then they're going to be plastering that all over their advertising. And they're going to say, mm-hmm. "This is you, you clone with us, you will get the same animal. Now, it's up to you to raise it correctly. Make sure you raise it in the same way. Don't beat it. But you're going to get the same animal at birth that you had 15 years ago when you first mm-hmm. bought Fluffy. $150,000 is a lot of jack. You have to have a lot of money. I mean, you had a dog you People loved. People that. And it was a great dog. I've got a lock of her hair uh, how much stowed away in my desk. Would you Really? How no, much would I, you pay for to have that dog... Uh, again, I I I wouldn't pay much because I feel bad I feel bad about that idea. You know the idea that you would clone dogs when there's so many other dogs out there that are waiting for homes. I mean if if the, all of a sudden the shelters dried up, Mark, mm-hmm. and there were no other dogs out there or cats that needed to be adopted and loved, then would I clone Jazzy Girl, my favorite dog of all time? Yeah, of course I would. Uh, but would I pay a whole bunch of money? I'd pay a couple grand. Yeah, I think I'd pay a couple grand. Yeah. Well, a couple of grand is uh, what a top-end dog can cost. Right. Well, she wasn't a top-end dog. She's just a, a mutt. But to and you, a, she is. Right. A, That's all that matters. Yeah. I I do not think that you could not get another jazzy girl. I don't think that. I think that your next dog would be just just as good and as smart as Jazzy Girl was because well, you would you spend a lot of time on her and that's the reason she was like she was I think I think that largely what you're saying is true mostly uh, nature is a huge factor when it comes to or but, I mean you know, uh, nurture rather is a huge factor a dog's got a personality you know yeah. and and you know so it it matters but yeah he he does treat dogs well and you know uh, it, it dogs want to be told what to do and he's he's busy telling them that says here the Pitbull's owner, Berna and McCunney, gave the company ear tissue, which an American biotech firm preserved before the animal died 18 months ago. She's said to have been particularly attached to the dog after it saved her life when another dog attacked her and bit off her arm. Wow. Uh, the university's team is led by a professor who was previously in a team headed by the disgraced stem cell scientist Wang Wusok. Mr. Wang's results on cloning human stem cells initially hailed as a breakthrough were found to have been falsified, and he's now on trial, charged with embezzlement and fake research. So I guess they're questioning whether or not this particular research team or this company is going to be able to pull off its claims. 
Uh, we will see over time. I don't know if we'll report a follow-up on this, but as time goes on... If this, there is one. Right. As time goes on, we'll find out whether this process is or is not legitimate. And more people will buy it, prices will come down, and maybe you can have Fluffy again someday. More on the way. Hour 2 is coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number two of the show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We go right into your phone calls. JC in Utah, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, JC. Libertations. (laughs) What's on your mind? I've never heard that one before. That's good. Uh, you did a couple weeks ago. Oh, I just joined yeah, the Free State Project. Congratulations, sir. Mm. Do you well, have that applause audio file? I will get to the applause. Or? Well, what made you decide to do it? Well, I have to say that uh, your show is instrumental in addition to uh, Gardner Goldsmith's show. Excellent. We love Gardner Goldsmith. Was there anything in particular? That pushed you Some over the issue edge. that uh, made you decide that uh, you know that you ha- just had to make this sacrifice. It's not a what sacrifice. Was instrumental in getting me uh, over that little uh, lip. I don't know. Is uh, the trigger system there on the FSP dot um, org website? That was wonderful. Ah, excellent, excellent. We've mentioned this briefly on the show. The Free State Project, up until this year, had basically a one-size-fits-all agreement that said you'd move to New Hampshire and get active for liberty after uh, the Free State Project reached 20,000 members, and we'd seen just very slow sign-ups. And so they changed things. They tweaked the system, and now you can pretty much totally customize your sign-up. What was it that you chose when you decided to sign up for the Free State Project? What was your customization? Well, my customization was a reflection of my own, uh, I guess, a little fear. See, I, I'm a libertarian. On the uh, smallest uh, political quiz in the world, I, I do pop up right there in the top of the of the diamond there. Excellent. But uh, I'm uh, I'm more of a former Republican. Mm-hmm. Same here. And um, I'm more about economic liberty. And I'm I'm afraid that if more left-of-center libertarians, if there's such a thing, uh, move to New Hampshire, then the quote-unquote moral majority will try to use government to, uh, you know, to stomp on the free staters somehow. And and I don't (laughs) – I'm scared of that because I I know – I mean, these are the same people who started prohibition in the first place. So my trigger was if there are enough of this um, quote-unquote moral majority conversion libertarianism and sign up with the Free State Project. Uh, if I see a couple of thousand of them, or, or at least uh, several hundred, then I will go to by 2012. So you, wait a minute, let me see if I understand you right there. You're saying if the moral, the moralists out there convert to liberty, then you'll come to New Hampshire? Not all of them. How will you know? How will you, how will you come to understand that that has occurred? Well, there are some stats on the website, uh, though albeit not ones that would show what of what um, particular flavor of libertarianism that everybody um, subscribes to when they do sign up to the uh, Free State Project. But uh, 
But I, I just want to see that. I'm more of an economic liberty type guy, though I am I, I am in favor of of ending prohibition and uh, having private enforcement of laws as, as opposed to um, you know the, the the brute squad cops. But uh, you know I'm uh, I do come I do arrive at li libertarianism from a different angle, and if I see a, a, enough other people who have arrived at it um, from a similar angle to mine, then I'll feel more comfortable about going. I, I think it's just a numbers a numbers thing to feel so, comfortable. So is that a custom option? Because I don't recall seeing that as one of the choices on the Free State Project website. There, there is an option where you can just make up your own. Okay, right. that's good. You just put a check, and then you type in what your condition would be. <laughs> so basically, you're re you are re uh, you're referring to a chart of some sort on the Free State Project website that says, well, so many of our members were formerly Republicans, so many of our members were formerly Democrats. Is that what you're talking about? Oh, no. There, there's simply, um, if you go to um, FSP.org and, and you look at the, uh, you know, the, the statement of intent, um, there are specific triggers, of course, that, that you can choose. Like, for example, Hillary, Hillary gets elected or, mm -hmm. or uh, gun legislation. But there's also a, a place where you can put a check mark and then you just simply type in what No, no, I understand is. that. But what I'm, you said there was some list of uh, people and, and what their viewpoint was prior to joining the Free State Project. No, there is no. There are no stats that I can find. How that, are you that, going to How are you going to know your trigger has occurred? That's what I'm trying to understand. That's a good. That's a very good question, and and I may have to just simply um, have my own way of fi finding out. You're where, just going to um, come. That's all. Yeah. Here's <laughs> what I would recommend. Here, here's what I would suggest to you, JC, is that okay. you make a make a um, a commitment to come out to New Hampshire at some point to experience either Porcupine Freedom Festival during the summertime or the Liberty Forum during the wintertime. That way, you okay. can actually meet in person some of the people that are involved that are already here in New Hampshire, and you'll find. I think you'll find that. A significant number of them are exactly the types of people that you're looking for. I'd recommend Liberty Forum. Um, you know, I believe that I come from a similar place. I'm sort of a recovering uh, Republican myself. You Mark. And I... You know, I like Liberty Forum. I like all the speeches that they have. I, you know, they've they've got an itinerary set up that I can go to. They've got booths that I can go to. Porkfest has booths too, but Porkfest is more of a a camping thing and essentially, you know, a big party. And you know, it's it it doesn't speak to my soul the way uh, the Liberty Forum does. Yeah, I think you're going to find a lot of kindred spirits in New Hampshire already, and a bunch of others are, are definitely on the way. What do you think that, I mean, was there a certain date that you said, maybe if you weren't sure, you, you were confused as to what the results were, that you would just come anyway, or you, you definitely need to know that there are other people of like mind? Well, what I would like to do is uh, start working with my uncle, take over his business, and then become a sponsor of FTL, just like Seiko CII. But I do want to come to New Hampshire and get involved with you guys. And maybe you're right. If I if I do come to New Hampshire and visit and meet some of the other kindred spirits, that I would feel exactly what you're what you're talking about. I think so. You know, I just Are, don't want the brute government to come crashing down on us. Altogether. What I would, you know, know what, what I mean? you might also do is beyond listening to Free Talk Live, is plug into a couple of our uh, other alternative options from uh, as far as media sources here in New Hampshire. RidleyReport.com is excellent. 
Uh, in fact, uh, since you're coming, I watched you guys on there. You, yeah, um, your appearance on there. Well, recently, Dave Ridley did a report on one particular piece of legislation that has been proposed to ban guns from the state house, and wow. he did a great job of showing the turnout, this massive turnout of gun owners in New Hampshire, uh, that you know came out in droves basically to oppose this legislation, whereas absolutely nobody turned out except for the bill sponsor. It's uh, the, the one lady that sponsored the bill in order to support it, and I thought that was a good indicator of the amount of, I don't know, conservative support, if you will, for lack of a better term, uh, for those right. sorts of uh, movements in this state. And I think there's a, there's a tremendous amount of people that are of your mindset here. So I think you'll find that out as you, as you come here to visit and as you perhaps maybe in, encounter uh, others in the uh, Free State Project forums, which you'll find at freestateproject.org. And there are also some, some new political forums that have sprouted up around the state as well. You might want to check those out, too. And good luck, JC, and congratulations again. On your Excellent. decision to join the free state All I have project. to do is tell my wife now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you've got two signers. <laughs> there you go. Very good, sir. Thanks for the call tonight. 800-259-9231. The fact is, the Free State Project is made up of a variety of different people that have come to the message of liberty from a, a, a bunch of different ways. Uh, there are a lot of people that are like J.C. There are also a lot of, uh, as he said, you know, left libertarians, people that came from the Democratic Party, or a lot of also a lot of people that came from just outside of the system, uh, people that had no interest in politics whatsoever, that weren't Democrats or Republicans, that had never voted in their entire lives. So there's all of that here. And, of course, there's a variety of people that already live in New Hampshire that aren't Free State Project members that believe in the way that J.C. believes. A lot. Uh, that have wel- uh, opened, uh, you know, Two of them are on this show. Yeah, two of them. Nick and Toby. Oh, right. Those guys. Right. I thought you meant tonight. 800-259-9231. That is the number for you. So we're excited. We are early movers. Uh, the Free State Project is a movement of liberty-loving activists all moving to the same state in order to get active for liberty. And... You're going to agree with some of them on a bunch of things. In fact, most of them you're going to agree with most things on. There are only a few key differences here and there throughout uh, the the, pro- the population, if you will, of the Free State Project. And it really isn't doing anything to divide us. No, not, uh, not much. It doesn't seem. No, we were all hanging out together recently, and there's no division. There's no rift in the Free State Project. I'm working every, almost every day out there with uh, Russell Canning. Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> I can tell you that uh, from a political uh, viewpoint amongst libertarians, we're a bit different. But I, I haven't met a man who's uh, easier to talk to or has more integrity than, than Russell. Yeah, it hasn't stopped anybody from getting active in the way that they think is best. And that's what the project is all about. You come to New Hampshire and you get active for liberty in the way that you want to. No one tells you what to do. It's Free Talk Live. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there are completely free. Enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com, 800-259-9231. By the way... You need to know that the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival is better known as Porkfest. It's happening this year, June 9th through the 15th. Of course, we just told you quite a bit about the Free State Project. At Porkfest, you'll be able to expand your network of liberty-loving activists, businesses, and organizations, as well as meet your Internet and Free Talk Live buddies that you might know from the uh, Free Talk Live bulletin board system, and make new friends there. Discover new freedoms, new communities, and new beginnings. Learn more at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C. F-E-S-T dot com. 
And I know we are going to be broadcasting there from at least one night. We're in negotiations to possibly expand that out from there. I'm not sure how that's going to go at this point, but Free Talk Live will be in attendance as we were last year. And I tell you, it was so much fun last year. Really and it's going to be time. more fun this year. Yes, it yes it is. The Liberty <laughs> Forum was more fun this year, and Porkfest is going to kick butt this year. Um, so looking forward to that. So go to porkfest.com to learn more. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We go into the story from the Boise Weekly, BoiseWeekly dot com. Is it pronounced Boise or Boise? Actually, it depends on if you are an outside of Boise person or an inside. If you're born in Boise, you say Boise. Boise. If you come from outside, you say Boise. Boise. Gotcha. I lived in Boise. There you go. Well, anyway, Bill Cope says libertarians are loony. Were you listening? Did you hear what I said? I said libertarians are loony. And to make sure you understand exactly whom I'm talking about, I did not say librarians are loony or libertines are loony or libertists. No, sir. I'm not sure what a libertist is. I'm not either. You should look it up because I don't know either. Uh, (laughs) I speak specifically of that odd and small subspecies of American politics that is getting more attention than it rightfully deserves because of the eccentric presidential candidacy of Ron Paul. And I have chosen... Quixotic. You have to say quixotic every time. (laughs) I have uh, chosen this moment to write of their looniness for two reasons. What with Paul's strong undertow of support among uh, disgruntled Americans, I have little doubt this column will produce a slew of indignant rebuttals, almost as many as I expect to receive over my work in progress, Mormons are loony which I intend to hold in reserve until we see blah, 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 which is fine by me. It is my opinion that without the capacity to generate a steady and dependable flow of indignant rebuttals, an alternative weekly newspaper might as well rename itself Seen and Hit the Streets on Friday. But I'm not writing this simply to rattle a cage. The more relevant reason I bring it up is I truly believe libertarians are loony. And now, when so much shallow attention is slopping their way, is as good a time as any to examine why I believe such a thing. First, though, allow me to amend my initial statement to the extent that I believe libertarians to only be semi-loony, like half-loony. I pray that this softening of my original premise in no way curtails the volume of indignant rebuttals I'm expecting. But the truth is, regarding approximately half of the libertarian platform, I side with them wholeheartedly. When it comes to their refusal to take part in the Republican harassment of our homosexual citizenry, I'm libertarian. When it comes to their disdain of the nation's drug policies or their insistence that free speech must be unconditional, I am libertarian. No, no, you're not. (laughs) When it comes to their loathing of foreign entanglements. Half of America shares, uh, more than half of America, uh, everybody shares uh, some portion of the libertarian platform. You are not libertarian because you agree with libertarians on one issue. Libertarians believe in liberty. What you believe in is something else. You're right. He's trying to explain that he does agree with libertarians on some issues. There you go. Trying to lay that groundwork. He says, in particular, Ron Paul's demand that we get our troops out of Iraq and never again behave so stupidly, call me a libertarian. But from here forward... I'm ready to call him a liberal. Or more accurately, (laughs) backwards, the libertarians and I must part company. For as adamantly progressive as they may seem to be regarding social or personal matters, they are even more adamantly regressive on matters of governance and economics. If the literature they tack up on the Internet telephone poll is to be believed, property rights are as inalienable as human rights. And whenever, whenever self-professed libertarians actually come to power, uh, you'll notice that they generally expend a great deal more energy trying to weaken those regulatory bodies designed to protect the interests of workers, consumers, air breathers, water drinkers, and food eaters than they ever spend on liberalizing drug laws or defending free speech. Now, I skipped over because he mentioned a politician's name. He mentioned the, the state's governor. 
in uh, Idaho. Right, and a rather libertarian governor. Uh, but no, sorry, he's not a libertarian because there are no libertarian governors. For the same reason you just said, Mark, you're a libertarian if you believe in liberty, if you believe in not initiating force. So what he's doing is apparently there's some politician in his state that has, you know, like Glenn Beck or Neil Bortz, have taken to the idea of labeling themselves with the libertarian label, and well, he's just a run-of-the-mill Republican. Well, so as course, usual, um, you know, I'll take a, a, an extreme position, and then you'll take that extreme position and run it all the way to the goal line. Um, I'm willing to take a person who's 75, 80% libertarian, I'm willing to go for that and give them a you know, libertarian title. I'm fine with that. You, however, will at times question my libertarianness. And no, sorry. That's just not the way it, you, 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 you can't. Are you telling me that one of the governors in this country is a libertarian, Mark, by I, your I, definition? I've heard um, multiple times uh, that the governor of Idaho is a rather freedom-oriented dude. Why That's don't you nonsense. read up on him? You know what? I've taken this guy at his word, Mr. Cope here, because he's absolutely right. The fact is, it goes back to what Michael Cloud said, and I'm sure he's wrong here in a moment. We'll get to that. But so far, he's right. When Michael, uh, Michael Cloud from the Advocates for Self-Government, actually, I think he's with the Center for Self-Government. Anyway, what he points out is that there are these politicians that are all for liberty except one issue, right? Mm-hmm. And so what they do is they talk about how, oh, yeah, lower taxes, uh, drug freedom, and all these other freedoms that they like to spout off on when they're trying to get elected. And then when they actually do get elected, all they end up doing is focusing on their one issue where they believe government belongs. So if they're with us on 99% of the issues, then there's that 1% where that's what they that's all they do is they try to ban whatever it is they want to ban or uh you know promote whatever it is they're looking to promote that's what this guy's getting at here he's saying this guy touts himself as a libertarian then when he gets into office doesn't do anything remotely libertarian um, that i can understand i can I, I see what you're saying but let's say you've got a politician let let's use ron paul for an example now ron paul has uh, come out against uh, freedom when it comes to the border issue correct um, you know, what if he came out and, and pounded the pulpit on the border issue all the time, but every time he voted, except for a border issue, he voted for liberty? Is that good enough for you? Obviously, I voted for Ron Paul, Mark, so uh, certainly it's it was... better than the alternative? That's what I'm saying. Yep. It's just not great. And Ron Paul is so much better than all the other politicians, and he actually has a track record. Right, Ron Paul has a track record, while these so-called libertarians you're referring to, Mark, this unnamed governor of Idaho, you know as well as I do, he's signing he's in all kinds of anti-liberty bills. Uh, he's out there creating a track record, and we will be able to look at it. The libertarians insist, says Mr. Cope, and he says a, a tad too self-righteously, I have to think, that every tenet of their political faith is rooted in the U.S. Constitution. Now, that's not true. Not every libertarian no. says that. Uh, no, libertarians that are, that are maybe new to the whole libertarian movement might believe that to be the case. Are you saying I'm new? Are you saying that that's what the libertarian belief system is based on? Because it's not. Uh, no, well, I, I just don't think that that's a fair uh, statement that you've made. Some libertarians believe that the, you know that we should return to a constitutional government and that uh, their beliefs are constitutional. Some libertarians uh, don't believe the Constitution has any bearing on them. I understand what you're saying there, but his, uh, his assertion here is that every tenet of their political belief system is rooted in the U.S. Constitution. And I'm sorry, rejecting the initiation of force is the central tenet of libertarianism, and that appears nowhere in the U.S. Constitution. More on the way, this is Free Talk Live. 
With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line is in here with you. And Julia. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. By the way, those features include the bulletin board system. Get interactive with us and the Free Talk Live listeners. Over 300,000 posts. Lots to talk about, serious issues to fun stuff. Go to bbs.freetalklive.com to see what it's all about. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. Now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents. Um, You can set up a corporation, limited liability company. You can do patents, copyrights, anything like that. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save $10. That's LegalZoom.com. All right, so we are extracting this... uh, We're 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 looking at this article uh, from the Boise Weekly. Bill Cope, apparently one of the alternative newspapers up there, trashing on libertarians, saying libertarians are loony. And he just gets it wrong here. Uh, he says libertarians insist that every tenet of their political faith is rooted in the U.S. Constitution. Um, sorry, no. The concept that, that is the basis of libertarianism. And I'm not just talking about the, the political party the libertarians, which may be what's confusing this guy. I don't know. People are easily confused. Uh, but the, the concept that is the basis of libertarianism is the concept of non-initiation of force. The idea that in any circumstance, it is always wrong to initiate force on somebody who has not harmed you. And, of course, if, you're, if you've been harmed, then you aren't really initiating force. You're, just re- you're, you're retaliating. You're defending yourself. So defensive force, libertari- by libertarian standards, defensive force, A-OK. Initiating force, starting it, that's wrong. And there's an, there are no circumstances where it's okay. So uh, that's the concept. It has nothing to do with the Constitution. Now, the guys that wrote the Constitution might have had some understanding of that idea. You know, they might have kind of understood that. Of course, they did form a government, which tells me that they didn't really get it tr- truly. Uh, but there's nothing in the U.S. Constitution that references non-initiation of force at all. The U.S. Constitution could be looked at by many libertarians as a wonderful document, and it certainly is revered by many libertarians as uh, something that was a, you know, a worthy attempt at trying to control this concept we know of as government. And you would admit that you would prefer to get back to a uh, constitutional form of government. That would certainly be preferable to what we have today. There's no doubt about it. What seems to be wrong with the Constitution is that they just didn't list, they just didn't follow it. They just didn't care. They just sort of, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. It's up to interpretation anyway, and nobody really did anything about them overstepping their bounds. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, the problem was the people that were in search of power, and and exactly what you said, Julia, they just ignored their set of rules that they wrote for themselves, which is what the Constitution is. It's not a set of rules for us to follow. There's nothing in there that binds you or I to agree to anything. The Constitution is the founding document for the government, and it sets the rules that the government's supposed to follow. Fact is, they didn't. And now here we are. So let me move on with Bill's uh, critique here. 
He says that whatever the Founding Fathers didn't include in the Constitution must not have been worth including in the first place, though they've expanded on the constitutional mandate of free trade and commerce with a concept they call agorism. An ardent agorist would have it that any and all matters of human interaction could be handled better by private citizens in the pursuit of their own gain than any government agency anywhere. You see, libertarians hate government like a pit bull owner hates dog licensing. They have conjured up such an extreme trust in the virtues of laissez-faire economics that they consider it the ultimate solution to every predicament. Doesn't sound inaccurate. That society might get itself into. He says, and that, in my book, makes them loony. Even worse, it makes them lazy, he says. Well, um, I, 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 I can see the lazy point. I really do see that point. Um, but... Now, if if he's trusting in what the government to save him, in uh, you know to to be able to handle uh, license uh, people's trade back and forth and and to know the right thing, then why why would is it crazy to assume that businesses can handle it? It's well, just another group of people. There's something magical to people like Bill Cope about government. There's something special about it to them. I don't know what it is. I can't explain it to you, Mark. If if you can explain it, we'd love to hear from you at 800-259-9231. What is it about the concept of government that makes people believe that it's somehow better equipped to handle problems? That government is somehow just, just in general, better at doing everything than the marketplace is? Where do they get this, these ideas? I don't know. You, I, it, it seems to be the first place they run. It, it seems to me that most people think that they are okay. They could handle liberty. Me, everyone in this room, we could handle liberty. But it's those other people out there that are going to take advantage of people. And and so we need to elect Or make good, bad decisions yeah. or whatever they're going to do. But, so, but, so we need to elect good people to government so we can keep the bad people in control. That's right. And even though everyone seems to recognize that there's so many bad people in control politicians are bad they just can't seem to well if we just get the good people in then it's going to be okay it mm. must be the siren song of power that has to be what it is i mean the, you know the the sexy siren song this idea that well power you know if we just give it to the right people if we just power is so great and it's so strength you know it's, it's strong and it, you can do things with power you can control and if you just give it to the people that are good right. then if i just had the power i could set up a political system that that would be fantastic. It would work. And in my case, it would. No, but, sorry. <laughs> it would. It wouldn't. It would. No, because sure it, would. it doesn't work for anybody, Mark, because when you use force, you get unintended consequences. Well, by Always. Work, by work, do you mean um, last, what, forever? I'm not, I mean, the constitutional system um, here in the United States, we had some working semblance of a government that was, you would admit, better in areas of freedom and for a lot of people All I'm telling in a you lot is, of ways for you know for quite some time whatever the goal agree? whatever the goal Would is Would you agree? I whatever the goal is will not be achieved if you use force. I think the other the thing run. is that people are frightened of personal responsibility. I mean, if there's no government around, you really people have to take responsibility for everything they do uh, educating your children um you know, getting jobs on your own, and if you don't have a job, not going to, you know what I mean? Right now, if you get fired, for example, you can apply for unemployment, and your job pays for that if they win in a government court of law. So there's really, I mean, there's sort of that safety net, and I think a lot of people are afraid to take away that safety net and actually step up and be responsible for themselves. Well, that to me signifies laziness. 
I mean, the fact that people don't want responsibility, mm-hmm. the fact that they want to push that responsibility off on this government group, that to me says people are lazy, well, not I think, libertarians. Oh, I think that there's a lot of people out there that want social safety nets because they care about other people. I think that that's the biggest um, percentage of people. I don't think – I think that if you allowed uh, those that uh, believe that they need a sa- social safety, safety net to vote against those that – um, believe that they don't need one, um, you know, the the people for and against only for personal reasons. If you allowed those people to uh, vote against each other, that the non-safety netters would win every time. It's the, I care about the people that drink too much and smoke too many cigarettes and spend all their money on crap like that instead of taking care of their kids. I, You know, they those people, those are the ones that are our problems, the liberals. Cope goes on here, and Cope probably is a liberal. He goes on to, though I say they're all problematic, I think the conservatives are just as problematic. I wouldn't dis- would not disagree. Uh, so he goes on, though, with his critique. He says, it's easy, isn't it, to stand on the sidelines as a minuscule third party and declare that the institutions established specifically to confront our common challenges, our agencies of governance, in other words, are you know, broken down, what's... worthless heaps of bureaucratic junk. What's funny to me about this article is he's specifically, like, he just referred to it as we are all just... We're just sad because we're in a third party, not main party or whatever. But I don't affiliate myself with the Libertarian Party at all, ever. Well, it just shows the political mindset. You know, people like Cope, uh, this guy, they live in a political world. And everything to them is politics. And if you are – you claim yourself as a Libertarian, he immediately zooms in and says – must be a Libertarian Party member. Sure. Uh, You know, so – because everything is party politics to these people. It's very it's it's oversimplifying what liberty is all about. Anyway, he says uh, it's easy and relatively effortless to hold the position that all of society's organizational work doing organizational work worth doing has already been done over 200 years past by men so much wiser than today's leaders that there's no point in trying to improve on what those men started. It's, well, it, 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 um, in, in that case, to improve on it, you have to change the Constitution, and that's where these people aren't willing to do. They, they change the Constitution by de facto without actually doing the work. one 800 Obviously, Mark, you don't have to change the Constitution. They haven't bothered. More coming up. You can take control. It's Free Talk Live. show is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go get uh, interactive with us. Uh, get uh, on the Amazon website and buy some stuff. Go to amazon.freetalklive.com. And you'll find that when you enter through that website, Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Actually, you won't see that indicated anywhere, uh, but you just have to know. If you go through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com and buy some stuff, Free Talk Live gets a cut. It's that simple. Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. All right, we're continuing to dissect the Boise Weekly. Bill Cope, a uh, somebody who doesn't like libertarians very much, is trashing on us a bit. The article's called, Libertarians are Loony. And he he suggests that libertarians are lazy because we just want to sit back and say that the free market should just handle everything. Well, I mean, the fact is the free market will handle everything, and and we don't have to know exactly how it's going to do that because people in search of profit are the ones that will figure it out. I, as a libertarian, don't have to know exactly how each individual business that serves me that I go to works. 
I don't have to know the behind-the-scenes mechanics of how the bookstore does its operations nope. or how the grocery store operates its business. The people in search of They're profit. They're all very interesting. Yes, the people in search of profit have figured all of that out. It's not necessary for me to understand all that in order for it to work. Uh, but let me go on with with his complaints here. He says it's... Uh, Yet, where is the evidence that a blithely unregulated free market is any less inefficient, any less power-hungry, or any less corrupt than a democratically elected leadership? (laughs) Well, there is just one major factor there, I'd say. What's that? And that's that the government forces you to give them money, whereas if you don't like the way a business operates or a power-hungry business owner... You don't have to give them money. It's a wonderful concept. And, um, you know, in the marketplace, one doesn't have power over another person. Um, you know, you just you just don't. I suppose that there's there's a certain level of power in the employment uh, arena. Um, and you can assume that someone has power. Like, I could assume that my boss can tell me what to do. And if I don't like it, I just have to swallow it and take it because this is the only job I can get. But the boss could assume that, my God, I'm going to have to keep this uh, employee happy. Otherwise, he's going, he's going to leave, and I'm going to be out a very valuable employee. Well, right, because you know it's not the only job you can get, and he knows it's not the only job you can get. Sure. So, I mean, it's, it's a perception issue um, to some extent, but the government, it doesn't allow you those kind of choices. And he asked the question, where's the evidence that the free market is more efficient? The evidence is voluminous. It's all over the place. We talk about it six nights a week here on this show. There's tons of evidence out there. And it goes also back to the things that you guys were talking about. The fact is when you employ force, when you have a monopoly, then you're very inefficient. I mean, anybody, any liberal would know that, right? Monopolies are bad, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Well, why is it you're okay as a liberal with the monopoly over coercive force, which is the monopoly the government has? You think that because they're the only ones that they're somehow special? And efficient, whereas all the other monopolies are inefficient and and awful? For some reason, government is wonderful and magnanimous? I mean, it's abssurd. 1-800-259-9231. But he goes on. He says, Enron, Halliburton, the banking geniuses who landed us in the current housing market mess. Is this the agorism that they propose? No, uh, no, and no. What about the government geniuses that have landed us in far more debacles and boondoggles? Well, right. The the banking situation is is a government thing. Mr. Cope, Cope, what is his name? Yeah, Cope. Cope likely was not uh, affected by the Enron debacle. It probably didn't cost him any money. It did happen to cost me some money. Um, but it probably didn't cost him any money. So what's his problem? It's the boondoggles the government gets involved that costs us all. Sure. Let's, let's look at his, uh, his examples here. Enron and Halliburton, two politically connected companies, two corporations. Corporations are a government construct. Corporations is a is a it's a, a corporation is essentially a file folder. It doesn't really exist. When you enter Walmart, you're not entering a corporation. You're entering a building run by individuals, a business. Uh, the corporation is a file folder. It's paperwork filed with the government that shields people, the people that run those businesses, from liability, amongst other things. And so the purpose of the corporation was to shield big business people from responsibility. So. If you're looking at big, bad corporations doing bad things, look a little bit further and you'll see that it's the government that's providing them the protection in order to do those things. So government's at fault for Enron and Halliburton. 
Halliburton's a politically connected company that gets all kinds of favors doled out to it from the government. If government wasn't around, Halliburton would be a nobody company. As was Enron. Yeah, that too. Uh, And then also he gives the example of uh, the banking geniuses who he claims landed us in the current housing market mess. No, no. No, the banking system is predicated on the Federal Reserve System. The banking, all the banks in the country, FDIC insured. There's uh, just tons of regulations these banks have to bow down to in order to do business in this country. And who creates those regulations? The federal government. Well, I, I don't think you can entirely blame um, the the housing bubble and and the housing crisis that's uh, occurred on the federal government. To some extent, um, y- y- what inflation you're seeing, has played a, hu- a huge role. It, it it did play a role, um, but to some extent, what you saw was a uh, a, a fluctuation in the market. The market is created not by the Federal Reserve. Perfect. No, that's listen to me. Before you go on, and with your single-minded, the government sucks stuff, listen, what happened here was banks got competitive. Uh, People were paying their home loans, and banks were getting competitive. Look, we can handle this level of risk. Maybe we could handle a little more. And a little more, and mm-hmm. a little more, and a little more. So they um, they increase their levels of risk to the point now that you're seeing that those level of risks aren't panning out. Um, you know, they gave adjustable rate mortgages to people that, um, you know, now they now they owe four thousand dollars on a house that it's just you know a month that's just not worth um, what it was that they borrowed on. Well, those banks took risks, and they're reaping—you know—they're reaping the whirlwind of those risks. As are the people that took the same risks willingly um, by signing those pieces of paper. Now, did they all know everything that they were signing? No. Whose fault is that? The person who didn't read it. Okay, that's all. Um, now, does the government? The government certainly plays a role with the Federal Reserve and inflation, those kind of things. If we didn't have and regulating the banking industry. Interest rates. Sure. I mean, what about the government protecting us before this crap happened? Now we've got the banking crisis. If the federal government was, in fact, there to protect us, why didn't it protect us ahead of time? If it's all-knowing, if these guys are so smart, why didn't they know? Well, all they're doing now is uh, coming in here and bashing banks, and they're going to make it more difficult for some people to get loans. There are people out there that benefited from getting a home loan um, You know, during this time when banks were more liberal with their loaning right. practices, and they're going to not. And there's going to be people that want home loans that aren't going to be able to get them. He goes on. Where's the evidence that our founding fathers, transported in time to today's world, wouldn't understand the obvious need for regulatory agencies like OSHA, the FDA, and EPA? After all, even the brightest of those men had no notion of E. coli bacteria, let alone that it might up it might end up in our whoppers, asbestos and dioxins and nuclear waste. You don't yet think to be imagined. you don't think that an, a smart person in 1780 whatever um, knew that preparing food in a dirty, uh, disgusting manner <laughs> was going to make you sick? <laughs> I, I mean, is is that guy? Does that guy presume that they're that stupid in eighteen and seventeen eighty? I think he does. And I work for a food business, and our standards at where I work are higher than the government standards. Our people do not care about the government standards, except that we want to be able to operate as a business, so we have to follow their laws. 
our standards are solely because we want customers. Right, and um, the healthy customers, and, and your, your your the people, the management where you work, of which you are a part, doesn't care about government inspections either. No, they don't. We have it's, much hardcore right. inspections. <laughs> it's the the private inspections that are coming from yeah. a, a business that is driven by greed. And we're very scared of those inspections and making sure that we pass the inspections. And they're so much more detailed and thorough than any government inspectors. They stare at the ceiling. They walk around and stare at the ceiling and have a cup of coffee and leave. He goes on to say, in sweatshops, we're not even yet a gleam in industrialist's eye by 1776. You don't think that that, that somebody out there um, would have considered themselves exploited labor in 1780? He says, why would they include workplace safety in the Bill of Rights? Well, again, I don't think you really understood. I mean, there are different kinds. Uh, the founding fathers were different guys. They're all individuals, and they had varying different viewpoints. Some of them were more for uh, more central control of the government. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the ones that we happen to like a little bit more, Thomas Jefferson and the like, were of a more individual liberty mindset. The idea was that you let people live on their own, make their own decisions for themselves, and generally they'll make the right decisions. And when they make wrong ones, they'll learn from the mistakes and correct them the next time. And that works pretty darn well, as a matter of fact. All these examples he's giving of these scare factors, diseases and workplace environment, all handled by competition in the marketplace, free people. In most cases, currently. Yeah, all all handled by free people doing what they do best, and that is working towards a profit by satisfying their customers and keeping them safe. The marketplace can handle all of this, and it does. Hour 3 is coming up. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231 as we launch into hour number three of the show. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Start things out this hour. We go into the email box. Mark, you said you had something you wanted to share. Uh, That I do. Um, It's from a, uh, well, obviously from a listener, from Jesse in Oklahoma. I'm doing a research paper that determines my final grade in English as a senior in high school. The topic I chose was libertarianism and its place in society. I would like to ask you a few questions. I hope you. I, first of all, I'd like to say I hope he has a teacher that will grade him based on the structure and form of his paper and not mm-hmm. the content, because you don't want someone who's going to mark you off because they don't like your politics. Sure. Nonetheless, what does libertarianism? Uh, let's see. Uh, excuse me. Uh, one more. I would like to ask you a few questions that would be included in my paper, of course, with your consent. Oh, I love this stuff. This sure, is great. Sure. Quote us, please. What does libertarianism mean to you? Me? Yeah, you. You can answer first. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll get well, Julia's answer. Uh, libertarianism means uh, the idea that people should get along with one another on a voluntary basis. That initiating force, and we discussed this briefly last hour, that initiating force on others is wrong. Uh, and we normally don't do it in our daily lives. Uh, when we're dealing with our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends and our family members and our customers, we don't use force on them. We don't force them to, uh, to give us money if we need a little bit of help. We ask. Uh, we don't force our customers to buy our products. We persuade. Uh, we don't point guns at our friends and our family members, and that's what government does. So libertarianism is the idea of getting force 
the initiation of force out of human relationships. That's how I would uh, answer that. Julia? Um, for me, libertarianism is about being responsible for your own actions. And I, I guess for me, I just want to live my life as I see fit, basically, because I don't hurt anybody. So, I mean, I just want to be left alone. And I think other people deserve to be left alone as well. Left alone when you mean like the government. You're not, you know, you don't sit in your house like a hermit or anything. No, like that. I certainly no. don't. But you just don't want the government bothering you about some yes. silly little thing that. Uh, I want to be able to go stand outside and yell, I smoke pot and be nothing wrong with that. There you go. Um, libertarianism means to me, it's simply the uh, the form of government that works the best. Uh, government is inefficient, bureaucratic, uh, big, corrupt, and just doesn't do anything right now when i say anything right I, it can do some things it just does it can them. kill it, well it, it, it can build buildings it certainly has been successful building i'm buildings. pretty sure government can doesn't build school. the buildings it can run a school they hire contractors to build the buildings it can run a school true there you go so the government can do things it just does them for significantly more than the free market the marketplace will do them for well not only more but also worse as well it does a, a right. worse job well, right, right. You, i mentioned bureaucratic and all those other things go you've uh, here in Keene, you've seen our airport right mark yes. oh, do you know how much money they got last year from the feds I from the federal government hardly imagine almost what a to million mobile dollars do Jeez. you see a million dollars when you look at that field with a fence around it no <laughs> yeah how much does it cost to pour concrete on a you know cleared field i i don't they did that a long long time ago what else have I, they done i don't yeah. know <laughs> fill the concrete it's, it's really what did they do with that subsidizing money? uh rich people's airplanes because there's no yeah. commercial flights that come in there mm-hmm. either way the government is bureaucratic inefficient can't do anything right and i'm trying to um when i when i say can't do anything right i'm just trying to make it clear to people that i don't think they can do anything as efficiently as the marketplace can so yeah, it's the system is the system that works best. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. If you'd like to answer that question, uh, the question again was, "What does libertarianism mean to you?" Right. But go ahead with the uh, the email. Okay. Um. And uh, next question: What place does it have in today's society? Libertarianism. Today's society. Where is liberty now? What place does libertarianism have? Okay, liberty. Libertarianism right now is a relatively. I would say unpopular viewpoint uh, in that... It's an unpopular word. A lot yeah. of people believe that the government's too big. Right. Well, they Seven, people... 70% I've read. People live their lives as libertarians. They don't harm their friends and family members and their neighbors. They don't initiate force. So most people live like libertarians live, but mm-hmm. they don't really connect the dots. They don't know... Uh, they've never, if they've heard what libertarianism is, if they've heard the word libertarianism, many people don't know what it means. Or many people have a, uh, a misperception about what libertarianism is. So I would say that most people are confused at best about liberty and libertarianism. Mm-hmm. So libertarianism's a, a little fringy, um, uh, you know, perhaps uh, relegated to the sidelines to some extent. But I think it's, as a movement, it yeah, is. Yeah, I think it's definitely um, growing in popularity. Uh, no doubt about there, it. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. And far just, more recently than it ever has in the past, mm-hmm. it's it's catching on, and it's it's thanks to the internet and the uh, the the ease of communication that we have today. Mm-hmm. And that's because these are ideas that are easy to communicate. You don't have to know. Uh, you know, a platform. You don't have to know a party platform like, well, we stand here on abortion, we stand here on right. uh, drugs, and we stand here. No, all you need to know is the principle. 
All you need to get is the idea that initiating force is wrong. And from that principle, you can boil out any stance on any issue that you come across. It's very consistent. Right, and so it's simple and easy to grasp once you come across the real message. But the problem libertarianism is having today is that there are these faux libertarians out there, these fakers, uh, the wannabes, these posers, if you will, people like Glenn Beck uh, and, and Neil Bortz, who claim to be libertarians and then go on to spout some neoconservative crap about how they want to you know, initiate war all around the world. Now, when you've got somebody doing something like that, that's going to confuse people. They're going to say, you know, I took that world's smallest political quiz and it said I was a libertarian, but here I am listening to this guy spout off about how he wants to invade all these countries all around the world, and he's claiming he's a libertarian. Maybe I got it wrong. Maybe I'm not a libertarian after all. Well, I think so people that, are confused. Uh, I, I think that uh, libertarianism, I don't think that that's that big of a problem. Uh, you don't? No, I don't. Um, I, I can see where you're coming from because you believe that libertarianism is this white light of purity, and it's and I disagree any more than Democrats or Republicans are pure in their beliefs. Um, you know, they, they, they are Democrats or they are Republicans, and inside the party, they disagree on things. So um, now, libertarian, I'm, I'm not saying that we're part of the Libertarian Party or anything, but one can be a libertarian and still disagree with other libertarians on issues. That's why we no, have a no. radio show. Wait a minute. You're right that you can disagree on issues. In that, you know, some libertarians believe in intellectual property and some don't. But the one thing libertarians all agree on is rejecting the initiation of force. And there's no way at all that you can claim that initiating force around the world is libertarian. Not possible. Um, not possible. It's just not libertarian. Well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to try to defend their position, but I will tell you what it is. Their position is that we're increasing the uh, geo uh, the, the geo global um, liberty quotient. That's that's utilitarian. Right. And well, secondly, there, it's there wrong. There certainly are people that are utilitarian um, in the liberty movement. For instance, when we just talked about they're not what libertarians. Is, then what is liberty? Um, what does libertarianism mean to you? You talked about, I don't think, you know, the philosophies of liberty. I talked about what works and what doesn't. I'm a libertarian because it works. I'm a utilitarian right. libertarian. Invading countries around the world doesn't work. And I you would and I completely agree on that. concur right. with you. And it also, you cannot advocate you cannot agitate for the initiation of force and call yourself a libertarian. Sorry. You can disagree on an issue. But if you're advocating, if your disagreement is that you are advocating the initiation of force, psh, disqualified. You are no longer a libertarian, and you never were. Julia, do you have an answer on what place does uh, does libertarianism uh, libertarianism have in today's society? Like, what where is it today? Um, well, I think that liberty now has a better chance than it ever did before because of the internet and the ability to spread information. Yeah, I, 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 we didn't include the internet in our answer, but I would have totally agree. Perhaps with you. primed to explode would be a good way yeah, to put like it. I wanted to use the term critical mass, but I don't know and if we're there. Yet. We're approaching it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that pretty much everybody in America knows that we have all these problems. Um, a lot of them don't know why and what what the cause is, and the cause, of course, is big government. Um, and so I think that as long, if we educate, as more people become educated at, with the, you know, what the cause is, uh, that and, and as government continues to grow bigger and bigger, it becomes more obvious to people what the cause is. Um, that's why we're getting closer and closer to critical mass. Yeah, they'll get it. Uh, they'll figure out eventually that these politicians, hopefully at least, 
that keep promising change aren't really going to do anything. I don't anything. know if I agree. More, more <laughs> on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, including the archive. So if you've missed a moment of the show, just go click and download. They're completely free on the front page of the website. There for your convenience, freetalklive.com. You can lose up to 25 pounds in just nine days without permanently changing your diet. You can check out this amazing doctor-recommended cleanse. Go to ftldiscount.com, read some real testimonials, find out how to order. That's ftldiscount.com. 800-259-9231. We continue with Mark's email. A young man has sent you a question, several questions, that are going to be relevant for him in a paper that he's writing for his final English assignment, I guess it was, it was English class, right? Yeah, it's uh, from his fighting grade. In high school. So he's, it's his senior year, it's his last assignment in his English class, and he's chosen to talk about libertarianism. So he had some questions. Yeah, I, I'm really kind of curious. Final grade, and today is February the 15th? He's probably gotten the assignment really early. That okay. way he has several months to work on it. Yeah, I guess they do that with uh, papers. And right. school ends earlier for seniors, so. That's true. And every school's different. So let's continue. Okay, um, let's see. And by the way, you guys are welcome to chime in on these answers. I mean, obviously we've got three people on the panel here tonight, but we'd love your input too. Now, Julia, you did a great job of answering uh, the next question in your last question. So, uh, um, Ian, why is liberty so important? Because freedom's important. Because uh, the choice, the, abil- the ability to choose your own path in life without encountering brigands and people that are trying to stop you from doing the things that you want to do is, I think, of paramount importance to anybody's life. Who, who wants to have people telling them how to live their lives? I don't. Maybe there are some people that want that, and I think that if that's what you want, then that's what you should have. Mm -hmm. If what you want is to be told what to do, if what you want is to be controlled and to have a bunch of rules set for you to follow in order to live your life, Please go find someone and have them create those rules for you or find a set of rules that already exists and sign on to it and hire someone to enforce them over you. By all means, you may have that. But those of us who don't want that, those of us who don't want that lifestyle, who can take care of ourselves, who want the freedom and the autonomy to be able to do that, we should be free. And that's, to me, what liberty is all about, the freedom to live life how you want. Right. Um, and it's it's genuine. It doesn't allow... Uh People who brigands, thieves. It doesn't allow uh, uh, people that would hurt people, you know, uh, thugs, mm-hmm. to parade around in the uniforms of government. We already know how to da- handle uh, thugs and brigands and thieves in today's society. Um, you know, maybe we're getting a little softer as time goes by, but certainly men, knew, um, you know, people knew how to handle uh, thugs and brigands in the past, and. To put uniforms on them and and extol them for how great they are and how much they're doing for all of us while they shove their pockets full of our money is it's disingenuous, it's wrong, and it hurts people. I'd have to say that one of my favorite things about liberty, and Mary Ruart points this out in her book and does a very good job. Her book, Healing Our World, available free at ruart.com. Which is a great book, especially, I think, for liberals. So if you're trying to convert your mom or your dad who's a liberal, give them that book. It's an excellent book. Agreed. Anyway, um, 
it's it's a win-win situation. The only people who don't win are people who want to hurt others and people who are in search of power over others. That is a great point, and that is how the marketplace works. When people are free to choose, uh, they generally choose in favor of themselves. Um, and when you enter into a transaction, whether it's you know it's something as simple as buying a hamburger, uh, you are choosing something that you feel is going to benefit you. You're going to trade your two dollars or right ninety nine cents. You to, want whatever that is more than you want your two dollars. Right to get that hamburger, and the business is choosing to trade the beef and the lettuce and the tomatoes on the patties, which isn't worth much to them, for your 99 cents. So at 99 cents, they'd rather have than the beef and the patties sitting in their freezer. And mm-hmm. so they get what they want, you get what you want, win-win. Uh, and that's, what, well, that's generally what happens in the marketplace. Are there some instances where people get ripped off? Sure. Sure there are. But uh, that's not necessarily a loss. I feel like I get ripped off every single day by the government. Right. Yeah, that's right. true. You get no with benefits. the government, largely you get ripped off every single time. I'd rather take my chances with a business ripping me off the very, you know, just the, the, the few times that I've really felt ripped off by a business. Well, I, would, I would say that the best example of that is places like Amazon or eBay. Yes, there are occasions where you do get ripped off, but those occasions are so rare and you save so much money by using those sites that it's worth the few times that you get ripped off. That's true. Of course, there are also the feedback systems that can help you avoid situations like that. Uh, In addition... The ripoffs exist in today's world where we do have government. So it's not like you can say, well, we need government to protect us from, you know, these people ripping us off. They're not. Uh, they're not protecting you in any way, shape, or form. It's up to you, and it always has been. Uh, buyer beware, caveat emptor, to check out the product and the service that you're purchasing. You know, the fact is, if you have done your research and you've covered your bases, then the odds are very, very slim you're going to get ripped off. If you just walk blind into a deal, then odds are higher you're going to get ripped sure. off. So it's not the like less you... research you do, the better chance right. you have of lo- losing yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. You get what you pay for, or you get, you know, depending on the amount of research you do, uh, lowers your risk of getting scammed. And even if you get scammed, you'll learn better for the next time, and you'll increase your knowledge, and you'll increase your wisdom. Mm-hmm. And so it's not really a, to- a lose situation. You're still getting something. You're right. getting knowledge. It seems like uh, we, the, uh, the, the consuming public out there, do a very good job of learning from our mistakes in the marketplace and a very poor job of learning um, from, our mistakes uh, from, from our mistakes with government. <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, well, that's what you were saying some... before. You disagreed with me when I said that I hope that people would learn that the politicians proposing change were just useless and that we need to go in a different direction and you're probably right it seems we'll to be taking them forever to learn that you know i don't know these things uh, certainly take a long time to change it's a big giant ship that needs turning and you know the, if we reach that critical mass then that will happen the socialists managed to reach that mass uh, somewhere in the early part of the 1900s and it's had a huge effect on uh, government now and i i hope that libertarianism has uh, the same effects Absolutely. And I, there was once a gentleman who called here and said that what what put him over the edge was the new cough regulations, cough medicine regulations. His daughter had a cold one night. Yeah, that's right. And he went to the store and he found out that he couldn't get the cough it was medicine. Too late. They shut down the pharmacy. He right. Get exactly. It. So for most people, they just they're trying to live their lives. They're trying to feed their families and stuff. They don't take a lot of time to think about what's going on. But when something like that hits home, um, you, you start to really process that information. So as the government continues to get bigger and bigger, it's going to affect more and more people's lives. That's true. 
moving on. Okay, um, Jesse goes on. He's uh, in closing. Of course, as you know, you do not have any obligation to answer these questions. Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> but it would greatly be appreciated if you would at least give it a reply. Thank you very much. Sincerely, Jesse in Oklahoma. There you go. And, uh, you know, in answer to that statement, uh, Ian has a special place in his heart for high school kids. I don't know exactly uh, what it is, but he he loves talking about uh, Are anything... You trying- What's that? I was going to say, are you trying to say Ian likes little boys? I, I'm, I'm oh not suggesting anything like that. I'm just special place in <laughs> he his just heart for them. He likes little... high school. I don't know what it is I about high school. about high school. It's an impressionable age. Right. And I, the, these are the people that, yes, exactly. These are the people that are most open to new ideas. Mm, okay. Um, and it's not just high school. It's young people in general. We are always happy to answer things like this. And, totally. and I, I got this email tonight during the show. That's, oh, wow. That shows you know, how badly I, I know that we want we like to read things like this. 1-800-259-9231. You can take control and bring up anything. It is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Toll free, 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll free line. Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, enjoy those on us, including the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what it's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. And movies, lingerie, and marital aids. AdamEve.com has a special offer for you. Go to AdamEve.com slash talk and get 50% off of one item. Plus, with your order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a free gift. That's 50% off at adameve.com slash talk. We go to your phone calls. Jeff in Reno, you're listening on, uh, let's see, I believe KBZZ out there, though not yet. Uh, you'll listen later tonight on KBZZ because they delay broadcast us by a few hours. Jeff, what's on your mind? Yeah, guys, I just wanted to call in and say, you know, I came across some other information. I haven't seen in a while, and I completely forgot about it. And Basically, all the... Uh, surveillance and political spying that's going on in the United States, and uh, there's a system called SWIFT. It's through uh, banking, which the U.S. government tracks uh, financial information, uh, bank accounts Mm -hmm. on um, individuals they suspect of, uh, you know, engaging in, I guess, alleged terrorism activity, whether it be uh, activists, a protester, or whoever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just wanted to read a, a little statement from a, a Supreme Court case from 1928, and I, I can't, I mean, this, this right here applies, uh, it says... Uh, Is it short, Jeff? Is it short? Oh, yeah, it's real okay. short, yeah. Okay. It's, it says, uh, decency, security, and liberty alike demand that government officials shall be subjected to the rules of conduct that are commands to the citizen. Uh, for good or for ill, it teaches the whole people by ex- example. Crime is contagious. If the government becomes a lawbreaker, it breeds contempt for the law. It invites every man to come into a law himself. It invites anarchy. And that's a Supreme Court case, United States versus Olmstead from 1928. And, you know, I think that if people look back and, and see what's happened in, in history, I mean, if you have uh, part of a city that, that get radical, like in the Rodney King uh, incident where people, you know, saw police brutality and 
they 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 rose up and, and and rallied behind him. You know, there's a lot worse things going on besides police brutality in our government. And I think that you know, if the American people found out the the dangerous game going on in Washington D.C., you know, they would march up there and tear it down brick by brick. I mean, behind this dangerous game are secrets, corruption, and cover-ups. I don't know, man. I don't think they would. I mean, I don't it seems, think so. I, it, to oh, me, yeah, I see such egregious. Uh, you know, just uh, just so obvious failures and um, corruption inside the government to, to the point that I would think that the uh, that a good, just, right, and uh, a public would be out there with pitchforks and torches that they would be tarring and feathering these politicians, but they well, don't. The, they don't do anything. The, I think the, a lot of the American people are up under illusions. They lie. The, the propaganda that's being put out. The intelligence agencies are a prime example, uh, like with the '93 Oklahoma City bombing, of course. What happened there? You know, they had Salam, an informant who, by the way, was paid $1 million by our government. He was an Egyptian army officer. And what, did the, what happened there? The, the FBI had complete control of the situation. They gave him components to build a bomb. Okay, then after that, they allowed them to plant the bomb, and then they allowed the bomb to be exploded and in, in and, of course, why did they do wait, that? Wait, wait, wait. You're talking about World Trade Center in 93, right? Yeah, World Trade Center okay. in 93. And according, according to Ted Gunderson, who is a FBI whistleblower, he was the chief agent of the Los Angeles field office. He had uh, over 700 people under his command with a $20 million budget. He and several other people stated that the reason that the FBI allowed the attacks to be carried out was to a political agenda, was to seek anti-terrorism legislation, and only, unfortunately for them, only six people got killed. There was not enough people killed for them to get their anti-terrorism legislation passed. They said, oh, it was a failed sting operation. They knew it was going to happen. Same thing with Oklahoma City. Well, for said, the, but, but, you know, what you're pointing out here is very interesting, but it, it, you know, none of this information has encouraged people to go and, as you say, tear, uh, tear the bricks out of the buildings in Washington, D.C. Well, uh, and there are a lot of there. things that are far more visible than what you're talking about. I mean, certainly there have been some, some shady dealings going on with government, uh, but look at the ones that are right out in the sunlight. I mean, look at all the real-life examples that are you know no one has any doubts about uh, the police brutality cases are certainly some of the more obvious ones and people just you know they just sit back and if they are outraged about it then they're probably too scared to do anything about it so many people are are they, you know they watch that video footage of the police beating people and they say to themselves wow that's awful boy I don't really want to get involved in any of this stuff I think I'll just keep quiet exactly guys and we're in a police state the the police are are supposed to protect us. But they're the ones who are oppressing us. It's true. Thanks and for the call tonight, dude. Appreciate it as always. 800-259-9231. That's not to say that all the police are bad guys. They're not. Uh, there are some good ones in there, but he's right in general. It is the police that are enforcing bad laws. They're and getting used. Um, even the good ones are getting used to uh, enforce the bad laws. Right. And, uh, you know, if they're enforcing bad laws, then it just makes it so they are less respected. As he was saying at the beginning of his yeah. call, people, they lose their respect for the police. I personally don't have any respect for the police at all. Uh, I have respect for individual police officers who have proven they deserve my respect. Uh, but in general, just because you're wearing a badge don't mean squat to me. In fact, if you're wearing a badge, I'm scared of you. I, I don't know who you are, and I'm frightened that you might be a rogue cop. In fact, I'm concerned that odds are good that you are. And, Julia, you've had encounters with the police that, are, that have been far worse than mine have been. Yeah, I'm terrified of police officers. So, 
I mean, right here in this room, we've got 100% of the, uh, the hosts that have had bad experiences with the police and are not exactly too keen on those folks. So think about the rest of America and how they feel about it. As sure. far as a quantity, most of my experiences with the police have been good. And I'm not talking about uh, uh, law enforcement in general. I'm talking about specifically police, um, you know, on the street law, enforce- law enforcers. But even any kind of law enforcement officer, most of my uh, dealings have been good. The bad things stick out, though, you know, and, it, and having bad, good things happen to you is a pretty common experience. Having bad things happen to you isn't that common. Yeah, that's true. I and mean, it's the same thing with anything. I mean, if you get bad service yeah. at a restaurant, then you're going to remember that a lot better Man than, bites dog, right. than the good service that you've gotten. I'd say I've had more negative experiences with police officers than positive. I thankfully haven't had very many experiences with the police, so I, I can't really comment. But generally, the people that I know that have had experiences have pretty much all across the board been bad, frightening, and downright scary. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of people are scared to death. You know, they've seen the abuse. They've seen their friends spend time in jail. And they've seen it as being completely unnecessary. And in many cases, it is. And so why would they want to put their butts on the line? Why would they want to go and possibly become a target of these rogue cops? I can totally understand that. It's a lot easier to just sit back and keep quiet and try to fly under the radar for as long as possible, enjoy the life that you have, and try to make the best of it. I understand. But myself, I've rejected that. Myself, I've decided that, you know, I've had enough. Liberty is worth fighting for. It's worth taking risks for. Because if we just sit back and do what most people do, then we're going to get... get worse. Yes. It's going to... Uh, the oppression will continue to increase, and it will get to the point to where we won't be able to even talk about it anymore. Right now, we have the liberty to get on the airwaves in 33, uh, 33 stations around the country, all across the Internet, around the world, to talk about these issues, to talk about how government is out of control, and to try to encourage people to stand up and do something about it. If we were to sit back and, Mark, if, if five years ago I hadn't created this show and other activists had decided to not join the Free State Project and, yeah, it's just a crazy idea, screw that, let's just keep quiet and keep to ourselves and, you know, try well, we to done that con- continued with the sort of a hot talk format that the show was on. I mean, we could be doing that, too. The, for- the show's still the same format, as it always was. It just was it's just the issues are more pressing today. Audience. The, the, there's a different audience, and the issues are more pressing today than, than they were back then. Uh, but we could have sat back and done nothing, and then it would have just gotten worse. And then, no, you know, a lot of these wonderful things that have sprung out from the things that we've done would never have occurred. And we'd still be alive. We'd still have refrigeration and air conditioning and all those things. We'd still have comfortable lives, but we'd be losing our liberties, and that I'm not going to stand for. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, but just enough time for your call if you make it now. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. The feature's there. We give away. So enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and you'd like to support Free Talk Live, then we invite you to become an amplifier. Go to amp.freetalklive.com. Get uh, the details on the program. It's a simple one. The idea is you send in three bucks a month, completely voluntarily, mind you, and we take that money in and turn it around. And reinvest it right back into the show, getting on more radio stations around the country, and uh, thereby spreading the message of freedom and liberty. 
So go to amp.freetalklive.com, learn more, and learn about the perks you get, like access to the AMP-only call-in line chat room, the forum. All the details are there, oh, not to mention the AMP-only Shrine of Female Listeners. Which um, is much nicer than the regular Shrine. It's much more risque. Well, yes. there's, there's, there's certainly more people in the regular Shrine, but there's Special things that pictures. you won't get to see in yeah. the uh, AMP Shrine. Parts, parts that you won't get to see. Lovely pictures in the AMP-only shrine. All right, so go to the uh, go get the details and get signed up at amp.freetalklive.com. We go to the email box again. Mike emails in. He says, guys, been listening to Free Talk Live for a while now, and I absolutely love it. One thing I've gleaned from listening thus far is that, Ian, you're an incredibly stubborn bastard when it comes to... <laughs> oh, God, isn't it the truth? When it comes to the issue of liberty, and rightfully so. Now, I'm a libertarian, and I've been one for quite a while now, though I am a recovering socialist, however. I stopped being a socialist when I realized that although it works on paper, it simply doesn't work in real life. Because of human nature, we need market incentives. But I think free marketeers, or the less savory anarchist, falls into the same trap. Although it works perfectly on paper, it ultimately won't work because of human nature. I'm pretty sure we can agree... It's my concern. I'm pretty sure we can agree that there are people out there who seek power. As such, in any absolutely free society, eventually one group will attempt to dominate another. Now, you can claim that we could use a private security force to protect us on an individual level, or even on a community level. And that's no guarantee of security, as some group can still overthrow you, but that's not my argument here, as that can still happen now. A group could just as easily overthrow our local police force and establish a law unto themselves. No, Seems my, unlikely. My argument is much simpler, says Michael. What's to prevent the security force you hired from simply assuming power over you? Let's assume your society takes form, and we have an intermittent civil war, but eventually market forces take hold and the security forces establish order. Now, because there will always be those seeking power, do you not think that the security force could be compromised? Sure, the current owner is a good and just man, but what about his grandson? Sure, you can discount this from happening with competing security forces, and you'd be right, assuming they don't collude, which they most likely will, given enough time and pressure to do so. But let's assume they don't collude. We can always depend on competition as the regulating factor here. Not all markets can be perfectly competitive for a myriad of reasons. Let's just say, for example, of a small rural community in the middle of nowhere, where only one security firm and no chance of competition exists. What's to prevent it from claiming power over the small towns one by one until the point it's a nation unto itself? Well, guns, my friend. Guns. <laughs> In the hands of individuals. That, I think, would be the number one uh, factor in preventing these security forces from seizing power. The number two factor would be that these security forces you're talking about are not the government. And so, therefore, when they were formed, remember, he's talking about off into the future, right? He's talking about, okay, we, have, we get to the free market, we've abolished government, we're getting to the free marketplace, and the security forces have been set up. Then a generation later, grandma, you know, grandson takes control, and he's a power freak, and he decides to start to wield power over his customers. Well, remember, the security company that had been built was built on voluntary interaction. The customers voluntarily bought their service plan, and at any time, as customers, they are free to cancel their plan and no longer send money to the, the protection company. So, in the event that the protection company decides it's going to turn on its own customers, the customers obviously don't have any obligation to continue sending them money. 
So uh, nobody's going to be sending money to an agency using coercive force, at least voluntarily. Certainly some will comply because they're afraid of uh, being hurt. They'll send them money just like they send it to the government today. I understand that. But it's the men with the guns, the individuals with guns that will protect themselves and their own freedoms that will be the number one disincentive to this company. There's also the factor that uh, they would have to still pay their employees, right? So let's presume they've got a bunch of money stacked away in the bank, okay? So they've got a whole lot of money with which to pay these thugs to enforce uh, their new power structure on these poor, innocent people of the town. Well, if you're a thug, if you're a thug for hire, a mercenary, first of all, when you were originally with this company, you were there to protect people. You joined up because you wanted to help keep people safe, not rule over them. The people that would be members of that particular company at the time the transition was was made, they'd probably have to get rid of a number of their employees because they are like the good cops, right? So you'd have to bring get rid of those good cops and bring in a bunch of corrupt scumbags to uh, to be your enforcers. So you'd have to change your employees. But even those corrupt scumbags, they still need incentives, right? They're not just going to go out and crack some heads for free because they like you. They're going to go out and do it because you're going to pay them in cold, hard cash or give them some sort of perks or, or incentive. So what's going to happen when, Mark, they come, ac- come over to your house and they say, uh, look, we're gonna, taking over the town, Mark. You're going to have to give up your guns. Um, well, you know, that's not going to go well. What are you going to do? I might uh, give them a gun and then uh, go call some friends with some guns, let mm-hmm. them know what's going on so that we would have a, a force that would be as large as their force. Well, at some point, you're going to shoot them. Someone mm-hmm. is going to get shot. One of these um, thugs is going to die. Maybe more than one. Right. At the, I, I can kill at least one thug. Then, at that point, the other thugs are going to see <laughs> the other thugs... That are, was funny. I'm sorry. Are then, you're going to put that on my quotes on the, the <laughs> wiki.freetalklive.com oh. page? Those don't get updated enough these days. No, it's, nobody does that stuff anymore. Uh, so at that point, the other thugs <laughs> who are working for the gangster are then going to say, huh, so Jimmy just got shot, and, you know, I want to raise. Uh, I'm gonna, if I'm going to put my life on the line for you, buddy, I want to raise. In fact, I'm going from $100,000 a year to $200,000. I mean, I've got... I've got kids at home, man. I could die. Yeah, I could die here. So the more, but but just because those guys get a raise doesn't give them any extra real significant protection from your bullets. Right. Uh, so the more of them that die at the hands of the the, the individuals that live in the town, the less likely anybody else is going to want to sign on for this particular mission. So it's a you know it's a self defeating prophecy. There's no way that uh, that that this can go on for forever. The, the they don't have the veil of legitimacy the government does. So they'll run out of money. They're, well, they're going to run out of money. And again, there's there's that there's just not that veil of legitimacy to fool people with. Nobody's fooled when someone comes to the door and says, uh, "We're taking over the town." <laughs> no, uh, yeah, give it up. We own you now. No, nobody gets fooled by that. But when someone you know is the police with the government, they've got that cloak of legitimacy on them, and so therefore they can get away with the same things that this private criminal gang wouldn't be able to. So there are several reasons why uh, this would not really be an option. Now, I don't uh, espouse your beliefs, but I would like to uh, read a, a pertinent Thomas Jefferson quote. Okay. Um, it's Thomas Jefferson is uh, the closest thing to Jesus in the liberty movement. Um, you know, people always uh, throw out his quotes all the time. So if a nation expects to be ignorant, both ignorant and free, and he doesn't use the word uh, both in there, ignorant and free, in a state of civilization, it expects what never was 
and never will be. Mm. No nation is permitted to live in ignorance with impunity. And That's a great you, point. You can't be, you know, you can't be ignorant of uh, liberty and expect things to go well. Right. The people in search of power will run roughshod over your freedom. Right. So, um, what what your point would likely be was is if you take today's current uh, crop of people and uh, you don't educate them in the ways of liberty and and they don't stay educated in the ways of liberty, kind of like this nation was. Right. You know, we knew all about liberty at one point in this nation. Now we don't. And well, they're going to lose their liberty. Exactly. And in order to get to a free marketplace, people have to get that education. It has to be a paradigm shift. If I lived in that town and all of a sudden people were taking over, I would have the option of going to another town. Whereas now there is no you cannot escape government in this country at all because there's this overlooming federal government, which basically says we don't care what your rules are. You listen to us. Exactly, and, they're yeah, so and you can't run to the woods as much as some people think that that's uh, that's an option. Yeah, it, it just doesn't work. So he finally says the free market system will eventually fall into chaos or worse, tyranny. It works on paper, but not in real life. Well, sorry, Mike, it's never been tried in real life. Well, so some might say that uh, Iceland, uh, you know, was a sort of uh, anarchist and situation, it, as as well as uh, Somalia. Well, and Somalia is actually kind of working out. Uh, if it weren't for that, there's some pesky good things UN. that are working, uh, work, definitely working for Somalia. If but it wasn't for the UN trying to continue, I don't think you're going to convince any Americans. Hey, let's go to Somalia. No, I never They've said got liberty that. there. Uh, they don't have liberty there. What they have is a situation where the UN is continually trying to foist a new government upon them. Uh, anyway, it's that's a bit of a mess, and we are out of time. It's been Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. We will return tomorrow night for the live Saturday edition. You can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. We know government doesn't work. Let's try something else. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.